Today's guest, Jens Wender. A fellow advisor from the US projects this market to continue to grow with about 16, 17% to a 1 trillion US dollar market in 2026. So from my perspective, we are seeing that there are two topics that really drive growth in this market. On the one side, HR has been also in the past still been quite neglected with regards to digitization and especially in the SMB space, but also in, in large corporations, there's in the public sector, not to talk about that sector, there's still a lot of potential coming from digitization and using technology as such. And the other big driver is that, of course, there's talent shortage and talent shortage will continue to be more and more visible. In Germany alone, we'll be short 6 million employees in, in 2030. And, and that talent shortage also means companies need to invest more on the one side in technology that retains talents and make, makes it attractive to continue working for the employer. Employers need to create more productive environment. That means, uh, you know, performance management solutions, making it clearer to employees what goals they are working on um, and how, how they are progressing. And on the other side, also companies need to invest more in talent acquisition. Jens is a very passionate entrepreneur in the field of work tech and he started his first venture directly after graduating from business school, WHU, um, very famous also for the entrepreneurial spirit in Germany. And um, the company is called um, PeoplePuff, which is doing an alumni software. He iterated it over time, it's now more than, I think it exists more than 20 years now we, we talked in a podcast and um, he is still in the field and invests as an angel investor and has also the biggest European angel investment ecosystem around HR and WorkTech. And um, he is now also having his own consulting firm, which is supporting private equity growth investments um, on the go-to-market side and commercial um, strategic side. And he also estimates that the WorkTech field and market only in the US hits 1 trillion by 2026. And also the two big main drivers of this is the missing digitization still in this field. And also um, the gap in talents that are available overall. Only in Germany, there are 6 million workers missing by 2023 as a protection. So if you want to learn more about um, some numbers of the market and also how he thinks about the field, um, listen to this episode. Um, it's really interesting with his entrepreneurial view. Um, so have fun and enjoy. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Hey Jens, how are you today? Hi Thomas, nice to, nice to see you again. I'm fine, uh, all good. I'm in Freiburg, the wet, uh, sun is shining, so... Uh, as well. So we also have um, <laughs> sun, but it's a bit colder than the, the days before when we just record. It's um, May 17th. Um, so hopefully we get the May weather back soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I think I approached you at some point um, through LinkedIn because I saw that you are really active in the HR tech space and also mm -hmm. scaling organizations as a consultant and also um 
that you have been an executive at bigger organizations. Um, so mm -hmm. you saw quite a lot. And yes. maybe you can uh, introduce yourself a bit and, and tell us what, what shaped you most, what's mm -hmm. the context behind Jens. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Thomas. Uh, indeed, I've been through different stages um, along my career so far. Um, and uh, let's maybe start uh, personally. Uh, so I live in Freiburg, um, uh, have family, uh, wife, uh, who is also an entrepreneur, uh, leading her family business, and then three kids. Um, uh, so uh, quite busy in the personal life as well. Um, and uh, with regards to um, the job, um, Let's maybe start at university. Uh, so I, I studied at uh, WHU, which is a very entrepreneurial business school uh, here in Germany. Um, and uh, that also um, basically in, infused me with uh, the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I, uh, I founded a company together with uh, three co-students um, uh, during university already um, and, uh, and grew that company from, from there. Um, after the studies, uh, I've been... Uh, managing director uh, together with the other uh, founders of the business uh, for about 10 years. And uh, uh, it it became a software as a service company and also in the HR tech space as, after a few pivots um, that we have had uh, along this way, which is uh, something um, I can see is normal um, uh, in startups. Um, uh, it's a company that's uh, today called PeoplePath um, and uh, that uh, works especially with um, enterprise clients and professional services companies in the uh, space of corporate alumni management. So helping uh, companies to stay in touch with their former employees. Um, How did you come up with that idea? Yeah, it's it's been an evolution. Uh, let's say it like that. Um, uh, we we started off um, or founded the company in 2002 already, um, and and started off with uh, thinking about uh, the network and uh, uh, and the former students of our university, and that was also the first client um, whom we served uh, with the uh, uh, with the alumni uh, software solution, um, and uh, and immediately saw. Uh, that there is a potential uh, to also provide this technology to other um, non-profit organizations, but also for-profit organizations. Um, it started off in the non-profit sector, uh, serving a lot of universities and uh, uh, in, in Germany, but also then uh, quickly in, in the German-speaking market, uh, Switzerland, Austria, um, and then growing a bit internationally as well to the UK. Um, And uh, at the same time, we also saw um, that this topic of staying in touch with former students um, can be transferred also uh, to other contexts, um, thinking about companies um, and, and, and there, you know, thinking about how to stay in touch with talent holistically. On the one side, uh, former interns uh, who have been working for the company and uh, that at a later point in time, oftentimes should then become uh, full-time employees. Um, but also former employees um, who um, uh, also um, uh, have a great potential for companies for, on the one side, business development reasons, if we think about professional services companies, but also for rehiring and, and other purposes. Um, and, and that's basically how we, we got to that um, by applying it for our university uh, initially first. Um, and then uh, also Oliver Samba um, hired some people from your network because he's a, a dedicated, or he, especially back then, was a dedicated um, WHO advocate and hiring talent out there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, 
he, he studied at the same university, but uh, a few years uh, before me. Um, and, uh, and as all of the students and former students of the university or 90% uh, of them are part of the alumni network, definitely he also hired uh, quite a lot of them. Um, and quite a lot of uh, the former students of the university are also successful and uh, entrepreneurs growing businesses, um, uh, either in the Zamba context, uh, or also, uh, you know, on, uh, by their own, um, and, and setting up companies themselves. Yeah. So did you already call the the vertical HR tech back then or no? Uh, no, we didn't. Um, uh, so uh, initially I, I would say we called it a software as a service business. Um, the, uh, the business model was from the start, a software as a service business model, where at that time there were also quite a lot of software vendors that still Uh, sold a license um, and uh, and earned recurring money through uh, through maintenance fees. Um, our model was uh, from the start the software as a service model, uh, sold subscription fees, um, and 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 being in the B 2 B software as a service space. Um, that's uh, how how we called it. It wasn't HR tech uh, at that time. I believe the term really also came up in the last five years. Uh, I would say. Um, in becoming a, a, a sector of interest, especially, you know, once now this turn has been there uh, towards even more talent shortage, uh, shortage and, uh, and the potential of digitization in that space. Yeah. And <laughs> impressive, 15 years now the company exists and you, are you still active there or more a shareholder? Yeah, the, the company even exists for um, since uh, 20 uh, uh, 2002, so 20 years, um, 21 years. Um, uh, I'm still a shareholder of the company. I'm also supporting the company in the advisory board. Um, but I've uh, worked in a full-time managing director role for uh, for about 10 years. Um, uh, that's correct. So um, uh, after my studies um, and then growing the company from Germany together with the uh, fellow uh, founders uh, to the UK and also to the US, uh, the company now has the biggest uh, footprint in, in customers um, in the US market, also the biggest growth uh, in that market is the market leader in this segment of corporate alumni management. After I, I, I went into uh, the advisory board, the colleagues also continued the growth path, um, took over um, the biggest US competitor, merged that business uh, with, uh, with them. Um, and serving quite some significant customers, like, for example, SAP is a customer um, uh, working with the alumni network and uh, through uh, through that software, but also uh, Starbucks, all of um, or most of the big accounting firms, KPMG, Deloitte, uh, PwC, uh, lots of law firms. So uh, quite a quite an interesting uh, space uh, that the colleagues are serving, quite an interesting niche market. Yeah, yeah definitely. And is it? The purpose that you rehire from your alumni club, or is it also additionally something else? It depends on uh, on the customers, um, and I I would say the majority of the customers in the professional services space uh, do um, do create an alumni network, especially also for business development purposes. Uh, so. Um, being continuing to be in touch with their former employees who very often then also transfer into potential customer organizations um, and, uh, and thus uh, creating uh, business development potential. But besides that, it's, uh, it's also employer branding. Uh, so, you know, um, continuing to stay in touch with uh, former employees and, and keeping that network uh, alive. 
um, also a network of expertise and, uh, and knowledge uh, sharing uh, that a lot of those companies use. And the rehiring use case um, um, or, uh, or the topic of also employer branding becomes even more important in the service uh, industries. Uh, so thinking about Starbucks, for example, um, or uh, other companies that also have um, very often uh, times seasonal hires, um, there it can be a, a much more important uh, use case to also stay in touch with your former employees and rehire them at, at a later point in time. Or also strategically thinking now in, in those times of talent shortage, um, how uh, how can you actually also build a pool of uh, of talent that can be used for Definitely. rehire? Well. I think recently yeah. I just spoke to somebody who was at Coca-Cola and we talked a bit about seasonal hiring and they said in a season they need to hire um, EMEA more than 17 thousand people yeah up ramp down it's yeah crazy how can yeah. you get to that number of course a lot of rehiring it totally makes yeah. sense yeah exactly so there are some industries you know uh, if you think about um adventure parks um or um also the accounting business um uh, and uh, and also travel leisure uh, topics um, so lots of industries um, where uh, where rehiring is a topic, and uh, and very often you know you want to rehire the people that uh, that already work for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how did you build that organization? I saw on LinkedIn average tenure of employees is um, a bit more than eight years. That's very yeah. unusual for a software yeah. company, also at that size. How did you build yeah. that retention engine? Um, I believe um, through um, uh, very good uh, involvement and proximity uh, to the employees. So um, the majority, it's it's absolutely true that, you know, we have uh, an extremely stable organization and, uh, and very motivated colleagues as well. Um, and at the moment, uh, the company is operating in, in different sites. On the one side, the headquarters is Munich. Um, and then we have a development center, which is located in Pilsen in the Czech Republic. So about two and a half, three hours by car from, from Munich. Um, and also there, we have a very stable organization and, um, uh, and, and thus a very strong development team, um, uh, that, that is located there. And in the U.S., also the colleagues, uh, that partially came in when we uh, when we merged with uh, the U.S. Uh, competitor. Um, also, they already had a a, a very stable organization, um, and uh, I believe it's uh, you know how how also the colleagues uh, who now lead the business uh, manage to um, keep employees involved, uh, provide them with a um, uh, with a positive and good uh, working environment, um, and also the interactions uh, with the customers are of course. Uh, something that is built upon trust and, um, and and gives them something back from their work. Um, and I believe the combination of that then leads to uh, a strong and, and stable organization. Yeah. In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And do you think that is also driving commercial results when you have such good retention? Definitely. Um, I mean, uh, if you think about HR technology and what the arguments are uh, to very often also introduce HR technology, the retention topic is um, a topic that um, also has direct uh, impacts on uh, business performance. Uh, if you think about uh, how long it takes uh, to uh, to onboard new employees and, and to make them productive, how long typically at uh, at those times today, you also need to search for new employees to uh, to even be able to onboard them. Um, 
and also the knowledge uh, that those employees have um, and, and building that knowledge, um, especially in, uh, also for, for the different large uh, enterprise customers uh, that we are working for. Uh, all of that uh, contributes to um, a, a more stable organization uh, with higher retention rates, also um, uh, working more productively. Yeah. Mm. Maybe let's jump to another yeah. topic of your expertise yeah. because that's a very, um, very good link. I see in a lot of scale-ups that retention or attrition is at maybe 30% even plus when they're going through transformational stages, like the growth stages. Mm -hmm. But also, I would say more traditional companies who go through transformations maybe also have then higher attrition. And sometimes it's really healthy. Um, when you're also an expert on consulting in how to go through growth stages, um, wh what do you think is important that you can really transform an organization in a way that it's a healthy transformation? Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a very good uh, uh, question, and um, uh, in 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 general, uh, I believe the uh, which employees you hire, um, and also what the mindset of those employees is, is a very important basis for how successful you can also go through transformations and uh, and changes uh, in the business. Um, are are the people you work with um, uh, people that also like change um, and uh, and also uh, embrace change in a way that they say yes uh, let's let's go through transformational uh, changes and adapt a strategy and, and the business which is especially in a very uh, you know fast moving world uh, more and more important um, or whether you have an uh, employee base that is um, rather um, more conservative and, uh, and and trying to to stick to existing structures. So I believe the initial uh, question is, what organization do you have? Um, and, and and there are different types. Um, at the same time, um, how do you motivate uh, uh, colleagues to uh, to transform? Very often, in in different stages, uh, it can also mean that different people um, uh, can uh, can lead those phases. Um, uh, better or worse. Um, so uh, it, it, very often, if uh, if we see the transformation, for example, from a uh, founder-led business that has been uh, growing to a, up to a certain size, very often founders are also the people that like to build things from scratch and, and building new things. Whereas then there are also other people that like to work in a scaling environment and like to scale that uh, those companies further. Or uh, there are people um, who like to also bring um, separate companies uh, together in M&A processes. And, uh, and um, of course, um, those different um, perspectives and also um, the different um, motivations and also um, very often decide on, you know, what's a team um, that's the best team uh, to uh, to transform a business or to, to bring uh, this business to the next level. And what's your sweet spot in terms of org, or, org face? Yeah, that's uh, that's also a very good question. So I've worked as founder uh, initially, then after uh, transitioning uh, to the advisory board in my own company, I've worked at uh, at Hoff Group, uh, which is a 2,000 employee uh, company uh, located here in Freiburg, um, uh, and uh, and therefore 
a, a company that has been a specialized publisher and transformed into a, a digital business and, and software company, uh, but definitely a different environment. Um, and, uh, and nowadays I'm working a lot with uh, scale-ups um, or um, uh, private equity-backed companies who are uh, in size ranges of about 200 uh, plus employees. Um, and uh, um, well, it depends on um, on my uh, on the topics. Uh, I believe if if I would look at myself where I'm where I'm best in in my role as as manager or leader, uh, I believe it's uh, between the, the startup and scale up phase. Um, so um, in companies of about 100, 200 employees, um, and driving growth and uh, and additional business, um, whilst in uh, in my role as advisor, which is today my role after I've spent four years at Hof, I, I founded my own advisory company a year ago. Um, then I would say um, I, I like working especially with leadership teams and, uh, and, and that can be leadership teams and investors um, who also work in companies of different sizes. Yeah. You mentioned a term private equity. And I think when private equity comes in, then there it, it's a special use case for a transformation because usually you want to you you deploy money and then you make things more efficient buy something maybe from the market and then sell it again with a multiple of two three five x um, over a period mm -hmm. of maybe three to five years is that somehow the use case it de uh, it depends so uh, you you said you uh, you make a business more efficient um, and that also uh, comes automatically, I believe, with the understanding of private equity. That's quite um, uh, quite common in, uh, in in Germany. That it's ma mainly about restructuring and cost reductions and making businesses more efficient. Um, the private equity investors I've uh, worked with are especially growth investors, um, and uh, who take on um, already profitable businesses at certain sizes, um, uh, who uh, which grow. Um, uh, and where um, typically those businesses have been grown up to a certain stage by the founders um, and, uh, and with private equity uh, coming in, it means uh, a whole uh, different level of profes professionalization. So um, uh, it can mean you know, uh, founder-led businesses very often um, don't increase prices uh, towards the customers. Uh, but in the market, it, it's common uh, to increase prices. Uh, everyone does that. Um, founders are um, too nice uh, to their customers um, in, uh, uh, very often. Um, and uh, that is one uh, aspect. But uh, other aspects involve, you know, a professionalization of marketing and sales engines with all the experience and knowledge that um, uh, that private equity investors and, and their environments bring in. Um, also, um, sometimes, depending on the stages of the founders, whether they want to grow the business together with private equity or uh, whether they then want to step out, um, bringing in um, uh, new leadership um, and, uh, and those coming in with uh, additional ideas around scaling the business. Um, then packaging and pricing uh, topics are very often also topics, portfolio topics. So um, uh, the, the environment that I've seen is uh, very often about um, prof professionalization of a business um, and therefore creating value uh, for, uh, for the investor, but also um, uh, resulting in a much stronger business than it has been at uh, the point in time when, when the investors came in.
And I so think that I, also then, I'm sorry. No, I think that's also a very good example. Thank you for being so specific. And, and I think that also translates strongly to um, how, how teams need to be structured and what, what people you need in certain roles um, mm -hmm. to professionalize that as well, as well right? So what, what impact does a transformation like this prof professionalism um, mechanism has for hiring? Yeah, um, uh, uh, true. Um, it, that depends, right? Um, so uh, it depends on the hypothesis that an investor goes in uh, with uh, into a company. Um, you know, what, what are the key uh, drivers of value over the next years? Uh, very often that's, uh, that's quite well specified um, uh, once an investor goes in. Um, and, uh, and then the question is, Uh, on the one side, the motivation of existing founders and leadership team, um, and uh, and then also uh, um, what what competencies and skills are maybe missing um, uh, in uh, in the existing setup. And then hiring is very important. You're right, um, and uh, um, and is typically also done as one of the uh, first uh, things in the uh, in the first six or twelve months. Uh, to look at, you know, how do we uh, strengthen the organization also with uh, new people coming in um, who then work on um, uh, on those value levers and and, and, and creating a, a more successful, even more successful and uh, uh, and wealthy company uh, within the next four or five years. Yeah. And when you come in, what, what do you usually do? Yeah. Um, so based on my experience, which is in the uh, product and uh, uh, And on the market side, um, I typically advise on, on product, product portfolio topics, as well as go-to-market topics. Um, and uh, go-to-market can mean, for example, I've worked with uh, several scale-ups and, uh, and also private equity-backed companies on um, how do they, um, if, if, if the value lever is they want to move in a new market and either a VC invested or private equity invested. And, and that is one of the reasons Uh, why they invested because they have a hypothesis that the German speaking market is an attractive market. Um, I support those companies in, um, in, in building a footprint, um, in, uh, in this market, um, getting into the network, but also building integrations in the HR uh, tech ecosystem, um, uh, finding the right partners, uh, to scale the business, also finding the right employees, uh, to work for the business. Um, all of those are topics when it's about go-to-market, especially with a focus on the German-speaking market or the European market, which is at least in, in certain areas of HR tech from a legal um, uh, standpoint um, uh, has similarities. Um, if it's about product um, and, uh, and product-related topics, it's typically all those uh, topics that re relate to product management. Um, on the one side, which are... Um, the products that we work on and which ones do we potentially also add, don't build ourselves, but buy um, and bring uh, towards, uh, bring into the portfolio. Uh, so that is one of the topics, um, but also um, how can we uh, build a better packaging and pricing um, in that space um, and, and thus profit more from, uh, uh, from the products that we have built so far. Um, and uh, and also create higher retention and higher value um, uh, on the customer side as well. Also, how good does a product fit to a new market is typically also a topic that I look at in this and context. Do you have a, a specification on um, verticals or industries? What do you focus on? 
Yes. Uh, so uh, my advisory firm is called WorkTech Advisory. Um, and uh, I called it that way because from my perspective, the HR tech market will be converging more and more with um, the collaboration market going forward. Um, and, and therefore, I believe the umbrella um, word that fits best is WorkTech uh, for, uh, for this industry and market segment. Um, uh, but that's uh, the, uh, the industry I'm focused on. Um, and that ranges from basically HR core topics like um, like payroll, uh, time management, and all of those topics that are um, implemented in most of the companies in a digital way. But at the same time, also uh, SMB companies are, are still strongly adopting uh, those solutions um, um, that, and, and continuing with, on the one side, talent acquisition and then also talent management topics, um, including things like benefits and uh, uh, and, and, uh, and performance management and so on and so forth. So How do you see this, the, the space developing for the future? Yeah, um, a, a fellow uh, advisor from the US um, projects uh, this market to continue to grow with um, uh, about 16, 17% to um, a 1 trillion uh, US dollar market in 2026. So, Uh, from my perspective, we are seeing that um, there, are, there are two topics that really drive growth uh, in this market. On the one side, HR has been uh, also in the past still been quite neglect, uh, neglected with regards to digitization, um, and especially in the SMB space, but also in, in large corporations. Uh, there's in the public sector, not to, not, not to talk about that uh, sector, there's still a lot of potential coming from digitization and using technology as such. Um, and the other big driver is that, um, of course, there's talent shortage and uh, talent shortage uh, will continue to uh, to be more and more visible. Um, in, in Germany alone, we'll be, uh, we'll be short uh, 6 million uh, employees in, in 2030. Um, and, uh, and that sh talent shortage also means uh, companies need to invest more on the one side in technology that retains talents and make, makes it attractive to continue working uh, for the employer, makes it also, um, uh, it also creates, um, employers need to create more productive environment. That, uh, that means, uh, you know, performance management solutions, making it clearer to employees what goals they are working on um, and how, how they are progressing. Um, and on the other side, also companies need to invest more in talent acquisition um, and winning new talent. Um, and, uh, and therefore, this is a space that um, is projected to grow uh, very strongly and is now basically the next, from my perspective, the next era after marketing technology, sales technology, financial technology, now the next uh, segment that will uh, see uh, continued um, strong growth and also profession professionalization in that space um, because so far HR hasn't been working with data that much and technology now enables them uh, to do that more and more. Um, the people analytics function is a function that is only still building um, in, in companies. So uh, definitely an, an interesting industry to be in. Yeah. That's so interesting because I, I see it in a very similar way. And also when, for instance, our company or PeopleWise is going in to also support with growth st stages um, and the transformation, especially on the talent acquisition side. The first thing what we always need to do is look into the ATS and find some data and gathering, okay, mm -hmm. what's the state, yeah? And so many companies maybe, okay, they, they went through the first stage and said, okay, I set up the tool in the, or 
I set up a tool. I have it, something digitized. But then the data is used in, in the wrong way or it cannot be used because you cannot trust the data sources because they are maybe, um, the systems are set up in a way that they cannot tell you a story or that you cannot really um, pull hypotheses from it or validate mm -hmm. something, for instance. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a, a huge topic which was um, neglected, as you said, because... Mm -hmm. It's also not a main revenue driver per se for a company, um, mm -hmm. but ultimately, if you are not getting hiring or the, the the people side right, then it has a high impact on productivity loss, mm -hmm. um, and also you're very 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 bad in in planning. And um, doesn't mean that the plan always have to be perfect or has also has to be there. But I think you need to have a solid foundation and a regular planning mechanism that you can mm -hmm. get capital efficient and so on, because you're way mm. better in judging and planning and um, anticipating. And this is what mm. companies don't understand or are not good at or don't prioritize well enough. And I think also the tech side in that field is not there yet that you can just have this one, one stop solution and, and it's supported. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's this topic of, you know, uh, sweet solutions. If you look at this space and, you know, do I, uh, do I use a solution that basically provides everything um, within one system, um, or do I need to use point solutions because they really help me much more in delivering, for example, very good talent acquisition or um, uh, or also great performance management in the organizations where uh, where goals are clear and uh, and uh, what topics uh, the employees need to work on. So um, definitely in a, a space that will also continue to mature, um, and maybe that brings us also a bit to. You know uh, the last topic that I haven't addressed yet. Uh, that is part of my um, my daily life, which is uh, um, uh, startups and, and being a bit of a business angel and creating an HR angel club, um, which is now the biggest um, uh, angel club in uh, HR tech in in Europe, uh, together with um, uh, with a friend of mine, Stefan Menten, um, and uh, and investing in companies that. For example, solve those pains. One company that uh, solves the integration between uh, different um, HR tech vendors is Combo, uh, based out of Berlin, um, and and they help um, those vendors to create those connections and thus making it easier um, to um, to work in an ecosystem of HR solutions that are really um, tightly um, tightly integrated. Yeah. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And what is currently a hot topic in that field? Um, so, I, I mean, we are now in uh, talking in May and I believe half a year ago, uh, ChatGPT was launched. Uh, so uh, that is still... Um, the entire topic of generative AI and, and how to use generative AI in technology is uh, one uh, hot topic uh, that exists and that also will boost a digital, a, a additional digitization in this space. So new solutions coming up um, in that area, but also um, additional components being embedded into the existing HR tech solutions. Uh, that's definitely one topic also driving uh, digitization in that space. 
another topic that um, I see quite frequently um, in in uh, in the recent six months is the topic of blue collar uh, workers. So about eighty percent of the workforce are frontline workers or blue collar workers, um, and uh, they have been very often neglected uh, by HR technology in the past. They have different requirements. Um, on the one side, you acquire talent differently, um, but also. Um, you need to communicate with uh, this type of talent differently, uh, especially because they are not working in front of a computer. Um, so blue color um, topics ranging from talent acquisition to uh, retention related topics is one um, one area where I see a lot of uh, new startups uh, starting businesses. Um, and then also startups looking at um, how do I empower or serve the individual employee in a better way, uh, which is related to the topic of talent shortage? How can I, you know, build a stronger connection with talent or um, provide more value to the individual employee, which is related to um, providing better employee benefits uh, that are also individualized or um, uh, topics like early wage access, uh, things like that. Um, how can I, you know, serve the individual employee in a better way? And then there are two more that I also see. One is uh, the entire topic of data focus and analytics focus, um, which we have talked about a bit already. So, you know, after marketing technology, sales technology, fintech, now seeing in HR tech that uh, technology and also the people who work with this technology are much more focused on um, uh, on numbers and uh, and outcomes and technology supporting that um, uh, working more uh, based on numbers is is also one topic um, that I see and and then providing integrations between the different solutions is also one one topic that I've seen in the past uh, six a months. Lot of, yeah. A lot of things to build. <laughs> a lot of things to build and also a lot of builders uh, out there uh, who are currently uh, challenged with a different uh, environment, um, a difficult environment as well, different and difficult. Um, so on the one side, you see uh, companies um, who have already raised an angel round uh, that are now looking for additional capital and uh, where VCs are currently not providing the valuation uh, evaluations that companies want to see or um, companies also want to stretch um, out this process a bit further, uh, looking at, uh, at their next investments end of this year or beginning of next year. That's a lot of um, startups that we see that are looking for uh, additional capital uh, there in that space, but also quite a lot of companies being founded completely new and from scratch and uh, and are growing in that space. And uh, at the same time, also quite a lot of new investors that are coming in on the one side, on, on the corporate side, uh, corporate VCs that are being built uh, with a focus on HR tech, but also uh, venture capital companies um, uh, forming funds uh, that are dedicated uh, towards uh, HR tech as well. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, so Jens, any final words? Yeah, I mean, it's fun uh, to talk to you uh, about this industry. Um, and uh, one one topic that um, is, is very important to me is that, you know, we need to work on uh, making the German-speaking uh, market and environment, which is uh, the biggest market in Europe, even stronger in HR tech um, in, in those times today. Uh, you see a lot of uh, vendors uh, forming new businesses in, in the US um, and also then growing to, to the German-speaking market. We see a lot of interesting new companies um, in, uh, in France, in the Netherlands, so around Germany. 
um, and uh, and therefore really excited about um, building even better and more successful uh, German uh, startups and HR tech companies that also manage to grow uh, abroad um, on the one side towards Europe, but also to the U.S., um, and uh, yeah, that's also one of the reasons why the HR tech founders who are part of this uh, this angel network said, uh, "Let's let's do something together. Let's use our network and, and support the startups not only with um, with money but also with um, expertise and network uh, to build more uh, uh, an even stronger HR tech uh, scene in in the German speaking market." Definitely. Yeah. And is there anyone you could recommend I should interview next? Ah. Um, yeah, you could uh, talk to uh, Stefan, so the co-initiator um, of, of the HI Angel Network, um, Stefan Menten, a uh, really interesting person. He has also founded his uh, um, first business during studies, uh, called a company called Squeaker.net, um, uh, so in the early career uh, space, but has also been uh, on, on the enterprise side uh, working with uh, uh, new work Singh in the last year as interim managing director, um, and also someone who, uh, who who can definitely bring in an additional perspective and additional insights. Yeah, yeah definitely. Would be cool. Cool. Okay, then um, thanks, Jens. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. Have a nice day. You too.